on this episode of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. I still think there's value in Vegas. I know drinks are expensive. I know there are expensive shows. I know food and meals can be expensive, but you can do it on a budget as well. I just think it's a wonderful, wonderful place. In Spanish, its name means the Meadows. You might know it as the entertainment capital of the world, lost wages, or simply Sin City. Of course, I'm talking about fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. On average, 42 million people visit Las Vegas every year, and I'm one of them. I love this city. The sights, the sounds, the shows, the people, the history. I want to share all of it with you. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 83 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. Before we get rolling for this episode of the show, I want to thank my guest from the last episode, Danny Elizabeth, a legit Vegas showgirl who's appeared in the legendary show Jubilee and is currently one of the performers and host of the show Crazy Girls at Planet Hollywood. We talked about her past dancing experience, training with a world-renowned Broadway dancer and choreographer, and her road to landing her very first Vegas gig. If you haven't had a chance to listen as of yet, jump into the archives wherever you get your podcasts and search out episode number 82, my special guest, Danny Elizabeth, or head to the website at jeffdoesvegas.com. All right, here we go. On to the show. It's always fun having other Vegas fanatics on the show, and my guest for this episode of the podcast definitely falls into that category. Joining me this time around, all the way from across the pond, is Steve White, better known on Twitter as Las Vegas UK. If you've ever listened to the Zorkcast podcast presented by Travel Zork, you'll be familiar with Steve. He's the British half of the show and is extremely well-versed in all things Las Vegas. Steve and I had an awesome conversation chatting about everything from our predictions on potential changes coming to Las Vegas to our very first Vegas trips, the mistakes we made and what we've learned from them to the rather unique Vegas guide that he's currently in the process of writing. And being that Steve is in the UK and on a full on lockdown and I'm in Canada with extremely strict quarantine measures in place, we thought it might be worth having a discussion about travel restrictions and the future of international travel to Las Vegas. Please enjoy my conversation with Steve White. I just literally am locked down. I do not leave my house. Um, I mean, it literally is a lockdown right now. Everything here is closed. Schools are closed. Um, everything is closed with the exception of if you need to go out and buy food. Um, we can't do anything. I can't even go and get my hair cut, which I'm quite glad I got it cut just before the lockdown came in. So it's not too bad this time. Last time we had lockdown, I had to resort to cutting my own hair at home and that did not go well. <laughs> so yeah, but we are really, we are well and truly locked down. Like if, if you were to travel, if I was to travel now, say five miles, 10 miles away, I could be fined. That's the level of lockdown we're in. It's like super crazy lockdown. Wow. Um, but you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We seem to be doing well with vaccinations. Um, the prime minister seems to think we may be able to come out of this lockdown soon. So I'm just hopeful that we will 
we'll be able to. But we're working from home. I'm a, a teacher by trade. That's my sort of my day job. So I'm teaching online right now, which has been interesting. Um, but hey, so situation we're in, it's the world we live in right now. Steve, I got you on with me here for a couple of reasons. First off, you are half of the duo that hosts the Zorkcast podcast on travel zork yes you are the uk half and you are the the vegas expert half well i like to think i'm the vegas expert i'm not sure michael would always agree we have a lot of um, (laughs) interesting discussion (laughs) (laughs) shall we say on the podcast yeah but it's been great i've been doing the podcast now for probably half a year six months i've known michael for for longer um, but he sort of said to me, oh, do, do, do you fancy doing this? And I sort of jumped to the chance. I've never really done much podcasting until now. And it's been great. It's been really good. We've had a great response. I think we we have a great energy. Um, and we have some really interesting discussions too. So, yes, check it out. Michael will tell me off if I don't say check out Zorkcast at travelzork.com. <laughs> Got to get the plug in. He's actually text- been texting me from like – he's on some flight to – boston from palm springs right now because he's obviously not in lockdown he tells me i'm on plague island he's been texting me saying mention this mention this mention this go away i think he's jealous i think he's jealous that i'm on here and he isn't yeah um one of the things that i did want to discuss with you here uh on the show because i feel that you and i are in kind of a unique position to talk about this is international travel to Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as mentioned, you're in the UK, you are under a a full on strict, severe lockdown. I am in Canada where borders are basically closed. Travel is being advised against. There are very severe, uh, and very strict restrictions in place for people who do travel out of the country coming home. Um, I know I'm jonesing for a Vegas trip in a huge way. I'm sure you are as well. Oh yeah. When was the last time you were in Las Vegas? So my last trip was February 2020, mm-hmm. which is actually quite late on, considering the, the sort of the shutdown sort of started in sort of March, April sort of time. Um, so I was lucky, I think, to get that trip in. But I normally take multiple trips a year, and mm-hmm. it, it has never been this long. And I am getting serious withdrawal symptoms, I can tell you. Um, but I've had so many trips. I've had to recancel, rebook, move flights, move. I mean, the airlines have been great. I, I normally fly with BA and they've been fantastic. They have issued refunds. They've issued travel vouchers. They've moved things. I have great relationships with my, my casino hosts. They've moved bookings around for me. It's been great in that sense. But I just really want to get there, mm-hmm. you know? And... Uh, it, it felt like, and I don't know if you felt this way, but certainly from a UK perspective, it felt like sort of November time, things were starting to change. We were going to have a Christmas. Things were going to unlock over Christmas potentially. And then it all went downhill when they found this this new strain. And everyone started blocking us from traveling to their countries, which I think was slightly unfortunate because, um, and I, 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 wouldn't, I want to point out, I wouldn't have traveled because I think it probably would be irresponsible to travel right now because I have no valid reason to travel. However, um, I also think the UK, and I obviously I'm biased because I'm British, were slightly harshly treated because we do so much sort of genome sequencing and we found a variant. Whereas some countries, they don't do hardly any, so they're never going to find these variants. So it kind of feels like you're being punished for doing a, a positive thing. But anyway, so um, that's kind of moved on now and we're... We're, we're locked down and we're, we're blocked from the U.S. still. Um, the former president lifted the ban 
And then the new president put it back in place, which mm. is probably, let's be honest, it's probably the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, I think I was saying to you before we went on the air, I kind of feel like it's slightly unfair that certain countries have been banned and not others. Um, I don't want to like get into travel shaming and name countries. I think you, this country should not be allowed in uh, or anything like that. But I think it is an oddly selective policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, as I said, it would be irresponsible for me to say, you know, I have a valid reason to travel. I need to go to Vegas. <laughs> And I think that's that's an excellent point to make. And, and there's this whole discussion. I mean, here in Canada, we don't have a a full on ban on international travel because legally we can't. Our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which would be the equivalent to the U.S. Constitution, states that we have the freedom of mobility. We have the right to be able to leave the country and return to the country. This is how polite we are as Canadians. We put the onus on the other countries to say, no, you, you can't come in here. Um, but I'm right there with you right now. I mean, in spite of the fact that theoretically I could get on a plane and fly to the U S as long as I follow all of the various restrictions and requirements and regulations that are in place, um, I could go to the U.S. or or travel anywhere in the world, but frankly, I'm with you. I don't feel that it would be responsible at this particular juncture in time. No, I mean, I technically, uh, and this is why I get confused by the way that the travel ban, if you call it a travel ban, on the on UK, US, Europe, US travel is. Um, I I I could go and spend two weeks in Mexico, and then enter the US, no problem. It would be the wrong thing to do, but I could do it. So mm. there's lots of these kind of loopholes around it, which is why I think if you're going to have a policy against um, travel, which is probably the right thing to do, you got you can't be selective about where you choose to apply that. Mm-hmm. But I find I find I find it I find it really quite fascinating, um, especially because over here it's very different to say in the US where um, they. They have very, they, 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 I guess, can't say everyone has to wear a mask, right? They can suggest it and they can say you have to wear a mask on federal properties or whatever, but they can't enforce it everywhere, right? Whereas in the UK, it works slightly differently. Yeah. And we've had that here in Canada as well. I mean, there have been people who have been calling for some sort of um, national approach to a lot of this stuff, whether it's masking or occupancy requirements or closures or or things like that but of course the situation you run into is uh it's bad in one part of the country or or but not so much in another part even when you break it down to a provincial level i mean here in our province in alberta um back in the spring they tried uh regional restrictions where the southern half of the province had different restrictions from the northern half and it just turned into a situation where people from uh from the south were going up to the north for things like haircuts and 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 stuff like that so it really kind of um went a little bit sideways on them so i can i can understand where where that approach it may not work for everyone so i guess the next obvious question then is what do you think it's going to take to actually get people back traveling i mean we we are moving forward on vaccinations we've got masks even if they were to open up borders tomorrow and start allowing flights and allowing people to travel there's going to be that certain percentage of people who still say "Mm, you know what maybe not so much right now what do you think it's going to take to get those people back to vegas 
I think it's going to take a. I just, to be honest with you, I think it's going to take a long time, and I think numbers are going to be down for a long time, and we're just going to have to accept that. And I think the travel industry is going to have to accept that. I think we're going to see a lot less um, routes. So, at the, like pre pre all of this, you could fly pretty much anywhere. I would say more or less from the UK, and I think we're going to see less of that. I think we're going to see more of a focus on very specific routes. I think leisure routes maybe are actually going to recover faster than business travel routes, because I think actually this has proven to a lot of people that you can have a meeting through the internet and you don't have to travel. Um, I think for me as a European, I think you're going to see a return of short haul much quicker than you will long haul. So I think people this year from the UK certainly are going to be more looking to travel, say to Europe, Greece, Spain, those sort of holiday destinations that are big with UK people mm-hmm. um will we get back to vegas this year i hope so i think for me i'm trying to you probably know this from twitter if you follow me on twitter i'm just trying to be really positive because i don't know about you but here in the uk at the moment everything is negative all the news is negative but negativity sells <laughs> <laughs> right so yeah. newspapers want people to buy their newspapers so anyway but so I, i'm hopeful we've got a good vaccine program seemingly running um, I haven't been vaccinated yet. I hope I will be at some point in the next three, four months. I would, would I be willing to travel without a vaccine? I don't know right now. I, I, I honestly don't know. I would make that decision perhaps a, a week, two weeks before travel. Here's the thing. I think you're going to have to make those sort of decisions last minute. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can plan now. I think you have to. So for me, I would just keep moving my flight until I get there and I will make a decision a week before whether I'm going to go or not almost. And that's kind of odd thinking because for me, it's a 10 hour flight, right? you know? And I think in a weird sort of way, this is the most flexible we've ever had travel be in terms of airline policy. So you can do that right now. It's, it's, it's an impossible question to answer really. If I have the vaccine, if I've had the vaccine, I think I would go. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you know what? I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, I looked at back at the end of November, um, just before things were starting to ramp back up again, as far as numbers and shutdowns mm. and restrictions and such. And cause I've always for the last six years or five years, I guess, uh, have done a, a Vegas trip for my birthday in December. I put together a whole plan of how I thought I could do Vegas safely. And I, I ran it past my wife, who's a healthcare professional. And I had a whole thing for masks and, and hand sanitizers and staying away from people and all this kind of stuff. And she looked at it and went, this is a lovely plan, Jeff, but let me remind you, you don't even like going to the grocery store. How are you going to leave the house and take two airplanes and airports and hotels and people and restaurants and all of that kind of stuff? How are you going to physically deal with that? And I just kind of went, yeah, you know what? You're right. (laughs) This is the other thing, isn't it? And actually, it's interesting you bring that up because um, no matter how much I want to travel, I've got to think about my family, too. I have a a baby at home. Mm -hmm. You know, if my wife said to me, I don't really I'm not comfortable with this, then I wouldn't go. So that's another thing to consider with this whole sort of pandemic situation is kind of not just about what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You've got to think about the people around you. Do you have elderly relatives that you regularly see? Um, does that put them at risk if you were to travel? Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like things are getting better with the testing, but then everyone's looking at different tests. Yeah. If you can do a rapid test to get to the States, but that's only 60% effective 
is that right? Or should you, everyone be doing these PCR tests that are like 98%, you know? On the other hand of the argument, well, some testing is better than no testing. So it's, yeah, it's a minefield right now. And I just don't know. I don't think anyone knows. This is why we're in the situation we're in, because governments don't know. Mm-hmm. And I, I, here in the UK, it's U-turn after U-turn with policy. I don't know what it's like over there, but it's just changing all the time. By the time we, by the time this goes out, it'll probably change again. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and and that's a yeah. fair point. And that's something I I get the frustration on on that level of the constant changing of of policies. But at the same time, it's that um, it's that constant. We don't know from one day to the next how this is going to uh, how this is going to evolve, how this virus is going to change. If there's going to be all of the sudden there's a Canadian variant of the strain and Canada shows up on everybody's hit list, you really you don't know how this is going to go. Then the question is, do you then think, okay, I've got this window of opportunity. Let's say come the summer cases are right down. You think, well, do I go now? Because I can. In three months' time, is it going to be super high again? Are the cases going to be up again? So it's really difficult. Well, and the other side of that is if the opportunity does arise, who says that window of opportunity is going to remain open? If there's one thing that we have learned through this entire 10-month-long pandemic situation is that things can literally change overnight situations can change regulations can change yeah and this is something that i've kind of been imploring to my social media audience and even my friends and family who've been asking me whether or not they should be looking at travel i mean we ran into a situation here in canada where at the end of december um our government said okay if you want to get on a plane and fly home to canada you have to have a covid 19 test within 72 hours of travel it needs to be negative you have to have the results before you get on the plane uh it has to be this certain type of test which left people who were out of the country against government advice scrambling to try to figure out where to get tests, how to pay for tests, what kind of tests to get, are they going to get the results back in time, all of this stuff. And now some of them are, quote unquote, stranded on their vacations, whining about it on the news, whining about it on social media. Meanwhile, they have literally been told, avoid non-essential travel. Well, the thing thing is as well, I don't know, but here all travel insurance is invalid if you travel against government advice. Yeah. So at the moment, we're being told not to travel. So if I was to travel, say, to the US and I got COVID, my travel insurance does not cover me, you know. Yeah, things have been a little bit different here in Canada. I, I know um, the airlines have managed to uh, roll in COVID insurance as part of the cost of the tickets. They actually include it when you buy an airline ticket. There's a lot of limitations and stuff on it, as you'd expect. You know, it doesn't cover things like pre-travel tests or or anything like that. And the coverage that it does offer, um, if you end up in the hospital with COVID, is I think it's $150,000 max, which sounds like a lot until you break down the fact that you hear about people who run up $300,000, dollars $500,000 in medical bills whenever they end up in the hospital down in the US. So I guess what a person really needs to do is essentially assess what level of risk they're willing to take in order to travel. Yeah. And everyone has different risk level. I'm not into the whole travel shaming thing. If people decide to go, they decide to go. And I'm right with you with the travel shaming thing. I mean, I, if people want to make the decision and this is, this is kind of the, the gist of what I've said in a couple of places is 
you're all grown ass adults and capable of making your own decisions, which means you should also be capable of living with the consequences of those decisions, which means that if all of the sudden the government says no more international travel and the airlines all cancel all of their international flights, I don't want to see any of you SOBs complaining on Facebook that the airline or the government won't come rescue you. Yeah. And that's just, you just have to bear that in mind if you're going to do anything. I mean, we li- we are in a world of people being used to being able to travel. Michael and I do a podcast about travel. Uh, for us, this is really difficult. Mm-hmm. I- I think there's a different feeling perhaps against it around the general public, certainly here. So um, I don't want to date the podcast, but I don't think this is going to change by the time this goes out. But at the moment they've just brought in a rule here where people have to quarantine in hotels when they come back from certain countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas a lot of people who I follow on Twitter, who perhaps are really into travel and travels, their thing are quite critical of this policy. But if you look at what the general public are thinking, they're very much in favor of it. Now, I, I don't want to come down on either side because I can see arguments from both sides. Um, but I think that you have to consider what the view is at the time in the general population as much as we want to go. And we love Vegas. Yeah, mm-hmm. but for some guy that just goes once every three years, he probably is thinking, I'll just go in 2022. Right. So, yeah, yeah who knows? This is going to end eventually. You will get back. You just have to be patient. Yeah, And I know it's hard. And at this point, I think everyone, I think this goes for anyone around the world. It's hard. It's harder now because we've been doing this for so long, but it will improve. Vaccines are coming. It will get better. Remember, uh, remember back in the spring when this all kind of started and everyone was like, eh, it's going to be a couple months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. But then uh, but back then we had nothing. You, just, you think how amazing is this science? Yeah how long it takes to I, I i as i said i'm trying to be positive all the time but how long it takes to create a vaccine and how quickly they've done it and and more than one company too i think it's pretty amazing myself and i think we you know we, we're going to get there it's just going to take time and it's not going to be the same and i have lots of people that follow me and say oh i'm going to go in september because i won't have to wear a mask in a casino anymore well i don't think that's going to change i think that's going to be around for longer that's going to be the last thing to go um if you're going to go i would say if you're going if you think you're going to get there this year expect to have the restrictions expect to have to wear a mask expect every other machine to be switched off expect to perhaps have to make reservations for restaurants expect it to be um be quiet midweek more, even more quiet than usual because i think those things are going to be the last things to unravel i do kind of want to move on from uh depressing things like travel restrictions and talk about something a little bit more fun uh recent episode of the travel zork zork cast um you guys talked vegas predictions and i know we're like six weeks into 2021 already but i mean really with covid time has pretty much stood still um kind of wanted to get your thoughts on some rumors and speculation make some predictions there's been a lot of uh Ideas floated around about different casinos and and resort properties that we may see uh, changing hands. Uh, Caesars is apparently shopping around a few different places. Um, Any thoughts, predictions, speculation that you want to share? Well, I think Planet Hollywood is the obvious one. That's the the general rumor, isn't it? The Planet Hollywood is going to go. I think the Cromwell potentially as well. 
Um, I don't know if they have a place for such a small sort of boutique property anymore within their portfolio, but uh, I don't know. It's really hard to say. Are they, uh, my guess would be Planet Hollywood first. I think they're going to want to offload a big property. I think um, it probably is a good fit, for instance, for Hard Rock, if they want to be getting into the, onto the strip. Um, I don't know. A Venetian now, possibly, now that... Um, there's obviously been you know i don't well i don't want to lower the tone of the podcast right there with this sad demise of the ceo and the, his death who knows what's going to happen with that property too um and i heard as well a rumor about the cosmo being involved in the rio but i can't place now all of the information on that i've heard a few different rumors surrounding properties that hard rock has been looking yeah. at and i've heard uh, similar, I've heard Hard Rock for Planet Hollywood, which I think would just be a natural fit. But is that the rumor because it's a natural fit rather than the truth? Literally, I mean, all they would have to do is swap out the uh, the movie memorabilia from Planet Hollywood for uh, the music memorabilia uh, from Hard Rock. Um, I've also heard that the Cosmo has been on Hard Rock's radar for a while as well. And I think that that would actually be a really cool fit. It's got a, a, a very, uh, very interesting, almost rock and roll vibe already in the property. I've heard that Caesars want to offload Bally's as well, which would be interesting because it's obviously so connected to Paris too. Yes. So how how does that how is that going to end up? Yeah. I think we probably will see some movement this year, particularly now caesars has so many properties across the u.s mm-hmm. but who knows I, I it's hard to say because the planet hollywood room has been going on for ages as well <laughs> it's kind of right up there with the rumor about the rio getting torn down and turned into a baseball stadium right <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> Um, there are a couple of big openings that are supposed to happen this year as well. Yeah. Resorts World and Virgin Hotels. Those are two big ones that are are supposed to be opening. Of course, Resorts World is a, a brand new build that's been going on forever and a day and is finally reaching that point where, hey, it looks like a real hotel. And Virgin, of course, is the rebrand and the and the renovation of Hard Rock. Virgin has already pushed their opening once i think twice actually now that they've pushed their opening yeah there's a rumor of april isn't there because that's when they had their hotel bookings opening or something yeah and and i'm just curious if you think that they'll they'll push that out any further and same deal with resorts world i mean is resorts world going to open in the middle of a global pandemic with visitorship cut in half Uh, yeah i kind of feel like resorts world may may go as far as being pushed to sort of october time maybe even december time um that seems to be like if you look if you look back at his at history that seems to be when a lot of casinos open sort of late october into december who knows i mean i initially i thought the summer but i don't think that's going to happen now i think it will definitely be later than that um and i think with virgin i think we'll see that pushed again too i just don't think the, the climate's right now yeah you know are they postponed it once i see them postponing it again personally and probably quite late on too. Probably like March time, they come out and say that we're going to postpone till August. I just think that, and I think we're just going to see rolling postponements. I think they're going to keep doing it until they feel the time is right. Yeah, it happened this year. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's not going to go into twenty twenty two. But you also have to wonder too with Resorts World because they were focusing very heavily on uh, their Asian clientele 
And Mm -hmm. with travel issues around the world, I I have to be honest, I do not see uh, that travel ban getting lifted anytime in 2021, at least not maybe until the fall at the earliest. You also have to wonder if they're going to take that into consideration and look at that and go, geez, like, how do we handle this opening? Yeah, I I would like to say, I, I think October for Resorts World would be my guess. And I'm going to say August for Virgin, but I could well be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about Circa as well. Yes. Now, I, haven't, I obviously haven't been because it's opened once, like since this whole thing started, which is kind of crazy in itself, opening a hotel during a pandemic right but there's the proof it can be done at least on paper it can be done absolutely no question that it can be done on paper but i have to question exactly how much of the uh perceived success is real and how much of it is just um social media bias right um i mean i know they are billed as a 777 room hotel or resort um i think they only opened about half of those hotels the other thing as well is for being a a downtown hotel on fremont street the prices that they want to charge to stay there are and again, this is just my opinion, my own personal opinion and thoughts. I think the prices are absolutely obscene. Way too high. I don't see how it's sustainable. Those prices are going to come down. It's not sustainable. And I know this is something that people have said to me, well, they're brand new. It's the shiny new toy on the block. And I get that, but that can only get you so far, right? I mean, I picked a random three-night stay Sunday to Wednesday in the middle of February. I mean, there's no conventions or events or anything like that happening. I picked a random three night stay and the prices at Circa for their standard King room, which didn't look like anything special from what I've seen in video and photos and stuff was actually higher than what the win or the Venetian wanted for the same dates, which in my mind is just insane. Yeah, why would you why would you go to stay at Circa if you can stay at the Wynn for less money or even the same money? <laughs> In fact, even a little bit more money. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, I'll freely admit that I'm not a massive fan of downtown. I mean, I enjoy going down there for a bite to eat or a cheap beverage or some people watching and any of my friends who are locals, that's where they like to go because it's away from the strip and it's away from all the tourists. But in my mind to be paying the same amount of money to stay at a hotel on Fremont street that I would be paying to stay at a legit five star five diamond hotel on the strip. Well, a guy downstairs is wearing the Borat swimsuit and posing for pictures with tourists. That does absolutely nothing for me. Where, where, what sort of, here's an interesting question. Where would you place Circa? If it was on the strip, what would you equate it to in terms of a strip level property? So, for instance, would you say it's on the level of Luxor? Would you say it's on the level of Mirage or would you say it's on the level of the win? Clearly, it's not on the level of the win. I'm not being rude, but it's not. Right. Very few properties are. But where would you place it? Again, having not been there like yourself, it's it, I'm kind of in a weird situation. It's hard to say. I feel like it's 
slightly above Bally's, mm-hmm. maybe sort of Mirage ish, if that makes sense. Yeah. I would kind of probably say that's right. Maybe round, round, maybe Mandalay Bay sort of level of property. Yeah. So then you have to ask yourself, okay, what would you pay for that? And then would you pay that downtown? Because you normally would say, well, it's downtown. So I'm not going to pay a Mandalay Bay level price downtown. <laughs> right. So, yeah. It's hard for me because I've... I've be honest i don't pay for ribs in vegas I, right i gamble i don't pay for ribs so i i don't know what the guy go- I, I honestly this is gonna sound awful and very much stuck up but i don't know what you pay for a room right now <laughs> well i do i do because i've been researching it for the book but i i wouldn't be able to tell you a random wednesday in february what the price would be right well i mean as a as a non i'm not a big gambler by any means i i'm a i'm a slot guy and i will sit and drop a few hundred bucks into a slot machine and that's kind of the extent of my gambling yeah um but last two years ago i bought my way into diamond with caesar's so i've been zero resort fees and what did you do founders card founders card yeah i did the yeah. founders card <laughs> um and so zero resort fees for me and and deeply discounted rooms but well you you, you know i just want to say it that founders card is great for people who are traveling from the uk Absolutely. because if you're because all of these pe- crazy people i mean i don't do like two-week vegas trips but a lot of people from the uk do Think the amount of money you save if you're a diamond member of Caesars. Just want to put it out there. But anyway, continue. Sorry. You know what? I'm not even going to disagree with you on that because yeah. for me doing <laughs> a seven, eight trips a year, um, yeah. at three or four nights a time, it, it, I basically, I paid for my founder's card in the first trip down to Vegas. Yeah, exactly. By, exactly. by having resort fees covered. Um, but I can tell you I'm with M life, for example, to do the Mandalay Bay, uh, comparison, I'm nowhere with M life as far as tier. I haven't stayed at a, at a, at an MGM property in forever. I don't do a lot of gambling there. Um, mm-hmm. You can get a midweek room at Mandalay Bay for 70 or $80 a night. Yeah. Would you pay that for Circa? I, I would maybe consider 70 or 80 a night for Circa. Okay. Certainly not what they're asking for some of the rooms. Would you pay 70 or 80 for circa in a year's time when it's no longer new in a year's time mm. you see this is the thing because right now it's brand new so people want to pay people will pay because they want to stay there sure (laughs) and and in what i've seen as far as photos and videos of the rooms i mean other than they're new yeah i don't see anything fancy dancy amazing mind-blowing about the rooms well they're like a really nice sort of hilton style room aren't they they're really nice decent top level hilton maybe mm. but yeah i know what you mean prices will come down there's a prediction prices at circle will definitely come down yeah um they're gonna be they're gonna probably be on a, on a level of maybe the golden nugget they're not going to be cheap for downtown sure. they're going to be up in the top top of downtown but they can't they can't continue charging prices equivalent to places like the win mm. it's just not sustainable surely no, not for not for midweek reservations at a place like that. And I mean, where, as I say, I mean, I looked four nights at the Wynn and four nights at, at Circa and the four nights at Circa with taxes and resort fees and everything was like $890. And I'm, I'm not at all trying to talk down Circa, by the way. No, it's it's not an anti anti <laughs> anti downtown thing. No, I know people love it, and I love downtown. 
Yeah. It's just about being realistic, isn't it? Agreed 100%. And I don't want it to sound like we're trying to run down the property or anything like that. I think it's a a beautiful looking property, Uh, particularly um, Stadium Swim looks amazing. I mean, I would love nothing more than uh, to watch a hockey game while hanging out in the heated pool uh, and my cabana while I have uh, food and beverage service coming to me. I think that looks amazing. The sports book looks incredible. Uh, The restaurants and, and all the amenities look great. But if I'm being completely honest, I'm not spending $150 a night to stay downtown. I think, I think you're right. And as I said, I think, I think they'll come down, give it time. Yeah. It has, it has to, it has to, I, and I want to see the property succeed. And I think in order for that to happen, you can't have all these rooms empty. Absolutely. 100%. Um, Steve, something else that I wanted to talk about while I've got you here is I wanted to talk about your own personal Vegas experience. Now, a lot of the folks that I meet from the UK and folks that I talk to when I'm in Las Vegas, they only do one Vegas trip a year or maybe one every couple of years. You are absolutely 100% the exception to that rule. (laughs) Yeah, I'm three or four trip kind of guy. Yeah. Um, I just love the place. Yeah. I don't know how to else to describe it. Why? And you know what? If you love it that much, why not? If you can do it, do it. <laughs> um, I'm very much into travel. So I fly a lot. I fly a lot with um, BA. So I often have air miles I can use and such. So, you know, it's, it's a fairly inexpensive trip for me to do. I, I do gamble um, fairly successfully, I like to think, but it is all random. There's no, there's no strategy. <laughs> I play a lot of slots. Um, but, you know, for me, I don't pay for my room. I pay with my flight usually with air miles or heavily discounted because I'll use some, I'm very much looking out for deals. So for me, it's actually a really cheap trip as long as I don't obviously lose. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. uh, So I, I would say that 80% of my trips are losing trips. However, I only lose what I can afford to lose. And I wouldn't say I usually lose more than I would spend had I had to pay for everything on that trip. Right. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Um, But it is a long flight. It's a 10-hour flight. Uh, But I love being on a plane, for instance. So for me, the plane is the start of the the trip when I get on the plane. I often will stay at the airport hotel the night before, even though I only live like two hours from Heathrow. So it's kind of stupid. But I like to just get up in the morning no, I'm there. Don't have to worry about parking the car. Can have a few drinks the night before. Get into that sort of holiday mode, vacation mode, holiday mode. Um, so yeah, for me, it's 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 the place to be. It's the place to go. Uh, and I don't think you really can get that level of service and that quality of hotel elsewhere for the same amount of money. Even if I was paying, I still think there's value in Vegas. I know drinks are expensive. I know there are expensive shows. I know food and meals can be expensive, but you can do it on a budget as well. I just think it's a wonderful, wonderful place. That's an, an interesting point. I, I And I've had this question a few times, and it's always one of the common questions I see that pop up in the different social media, Facebook groups and stuff that I'm on mm. where people will ask, you know, well, what what kind of a budget should I have for Las Vegas? And my answer is always, 
whatever you want to make it. That's the beauty yeah. part about a trip like Las Vegas, as opposed to say somewhere like Disney world where yeah. everything is a set price and you know, it's going to be expensive and you're, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. Whereas Las Vegas, you can go and stay at the Excalibur for $40 a night, or you can go and stay at the Venetian in a suite for $300 a night or higher you can eat in yeah. food courts and buy sandwiches at walgreens or you can eat at fine restaurants the whole time it really it is a a, a literal choose your own adventure vacation yeah it is what exactly right and it's exactly what you make it from the very beginning here you could fly economy class with ba and find a really good deal on their sale you could go and stay at scalibur for two weeks and have a fantastic holiday that would probably cost you no more than it would cost to travel from the UK to somewhere in Europe. You just have to um, look at very carefully and look at deals and think about when you go, but it's perfectly doable. So yeah, people are often really surprised actually, Matt, of how often I go. Um, but I guess going in as a gambler and having the comp rooms, not really having to pay for your food and beverage, it, it makes a difference. But then you have obviously the chance of losing everything. And I have had trips where I've lost everything. But you've got to just, you know, you've got to go with 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 your own limits. Just out of morbid curiosity, and I always like to ask this uh, when people talk about being slot players and, and playing a lot, what's the, uh, what's the biggest win that you've had? Uh, my biggest hand pay is 6,000. Oh, yeah nice i came home up 10k that trip nice but then i've had trips where i've, where I've come home down right i'm not i don't like to go too much into numbers but the way i also do it is i don't change back my money so i'll just put that back in that's the bank roll for the next trip i never i never would lose everything you're not putting the uh the mortgage on the table when you're uh <laughs> <laughs> never, never. And that would be the wrong thing to do. That would be seriously wrong thing to do. Now, when you head to Vegas, are you generally solo or does your wife come along or do you uh, travel with friends or buddies? Always solo. Always solo for me. Yeah. I, uh, I go to Vegas um, solo because A, it's not my wife's place. We'll go away for a couple of weeks somewhere nice in France or whatever. It's not her bag. Absolutely fine um i will go i will meet up with people once i'm there um so for instance if if like michael who i host um Zorkast with he may come and meet me for a few days or i have friends out there that i know that, that, I'll, that i'll meet up with but i tend to go on my own i quite like it that way because you know what if i want to be down in the casino at 3 a.m i can be mm -hmm. if i want to have breakfast at like seven at night i can do that you know, I, I quite like the, the solo trips. And I'm also very British. And I'm like, why are you sitting next to me when there's all these thought machines? Why on earth have you chosen this one next to me? Go away. So COVID for me, like these COVID restrictions are going to be great because they're like, no one can come near me. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what I kind of said with all of this. It's like I'm already kind of antisocial and, and not a <laughs> yeah. fan of people. So this is this is possibly the greatest thing in the world that's happened to me. Have you, have you ever been have you ever been to the UK? Uh, yes, I have. Have you been on the London Underground on the tube? Yep. Because nobody like talks to each other and nobody makes eye contact. You just have to sit there. And if someone looks at you or speaks to you, you look at them like, why, 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 why are you talking to me? <laughs> exactly. Which is very different to, to what you experience when you go to somewhere like Vegas and the, and the US. People are very friendly and they want to talk to you. So it's like, oh, don't talk to me. Yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I, but I I completely get the allure of the solo trip. I've done all of the various um, variations on the Vegas trip. I've done the trip with friends. I've done the trip with my spouse. I've done the couples trip. Um, but of all of them, I I love the solo trip. As you say, you are. Uh, you don't have to be responsible to another human being. You can basically do uh, whatever you want. And the great thing is Vegas is somewhere where it's perfectly normal to be on your own. It's perfectly normal. You don't feel out of place going into a, a fine dining establishment and being on your own. No. You, if you want to sit at a bar, you can. But if you want to set a table on your own, that's absolutely fine too. Um, I also think that Vegas is set up for that kind of for every kind of traveler in fact mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's just it works as a solo trip really really well something i always enjoy hearing about from the various vloggers and bloggers and podcasters that i've had on is the very first vegas trip they did and the mistakes they made and what they would do differently uh if they could go back and do it all over again I- i'd love to hear about your very first vegas trip yes mine is particularly sort of cringy yeah i definitely made some mistakes i um i told this story about six months ago actually when i started doing zortcast my first property i stayed at was treasure island that's not too bad that's actually i think treasure island is a great place to stay if you're a first timer because it's relatively good value yeah because bear in mind if you're a first timer you're not getting comp rooms and stuff so that's out of the equation it's a great location um for exploring vegas so happy day. So that's not too bad. It's not like I stayed at Circus Circus. Listen, don't even start <laughs> with me. <I'd> say, sh- <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, my first trip, I stayed at TI. Um, I guess the mistake I made is I did all my gambling at Caesars. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and I booked through Expedia. I didn't book direct with the hotel. I did a whole sort of Expedia flight, um, travel included kind of thing. So I didn't maximize my potential comp value, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess that's the advice I try and give people now is, you know, think about where you're playing. If you're going to gamble, you might as well gamble where you're staying because you may, even if you get your resort fee knocked off at the end, you know, that kind of thing. So I made all those sort of, sort of mistakes. But you know what? I had a great trip mm-hmm. and it get, I got the Vegas bug. So it clearly wasn't that big a deal. Right. And I actually, I actually came home up on my first trip. And I, I, uh, at the time I, you know, I, I don't want to go too much into bankroll, but I didn't have the bankroll I have now. And I wasn't gambling how I gamble now. I, and I hit a hand pay on my first trip at dollar video poker, terrible pay table as well, because this was like in Caesars. I had no idea. And I hit a hand pay like the day before I was set to come home, which basically put me right back up on the trip. So it was a great trip. Yeah. What about yours? Yeah, I've uh, I've told this story on other podcasts that I've appeared on. Um, my first trip was 2003. Uh, it was my wife and I. It was our first ever big quote unquote, big vacation together as a married couple that didn't involve traveling to go see family or, or anything like that. Um, we stayed at circus circus because, uh, it was cheap and I'm pretty sure that the travel agent we booked through, uh, got a really good commission. Um, we made 
all the typical first-timer mistakes in that we paid full price for things, we booked our show tickets ahead of time and probably paid way too much for all of them. But that's what you would normally do if you were going anywhere else, because that's how you normally would get a good deal. It's just Vegas is different. And that's what I try to tell people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that, and I think that's kind of the same advice that I give people now, too. I, I love the tip about telling people to to figure out where they think they're going to gamble the most because as you say if you if you gamble where you're staying or at least in the same chain yeah you might as well if you're going to gamble anyway you might as well exactly exactly and then yeah. i also too i tell people don't stay at circus circus because exactly. it's even worse now and that at least when i stayed there in 2003 there was still uh i think the stardust was still there and the frontier was still there and there, so there were still hotels between um circus circus and fashion show mall as opposed to now where that side of the road there is nothing <laughs> There's so many great properties now as well in the center of the strip that you could put. Like I'd always tell people, you know, I said TI, Harrah's is a great one now. They've renovated all of their rooms. The rooms look super nice. All of those Caesars properties around there are really quite good now, actually. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I also say to people, look, are you, I always say, are you going to ever go again? It was a silly question, really, because everyone wants to go again after they've been <laughs> to Vegas, right? But, you know, I also say to them, well, Go and stay at Caesar's Palace. Go and stay at the Bellagio. If that's what you want to do, if that's what's going to make your trip special. Also, if you're going to pay, if you're going your first time, you're paying to stay somewhere like Bally's, let's say, it's probably not that much more expensive to stay at Caesar's mm-hmm. in terms of value for money. Yeah. And what yeah. you're getting for your money. So I, I, a lot of people from the UK stay at Excalibur or Luxor because that's what the big travel companies over here tend to push. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm talking like two week stays. Now for me, two weeks in Vegas would kill me. Plus I'm a gambler and I, and I say to people, sure, the trips are better because you don't want to spread your bankroll too thin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But avoid those sort of places. I mean, Luxor is nice. I would stay there. They've done the rooms up nicely, but it's way out of the way for a first trip. Yes. You want to be staying center strip if possible. I think that would be my top tip. Center strip somewhere like Harris, TI Mirage. Mirage is really nice property. The rooms are outdated, but, but for amenities and the nice pool, great place. I I'm, I'm right there with you on the, the whole idea of the Luxor. I've stayed at Luxor numerous times and, and always have a great stay and a good experience. And, and I've, I've stayed in pyramid rooms and in tower rooms and I've had the newly renovated rooms and they're great. Um, but when my wife and I did the couples trip with our, our friends, it was their first time down to Vegas. And that was the one thing I was a little disappointed about for them was the distance we had to go for everything. I much rather would have been able to stay or preferred to stay at Bally's or Flamingo um, somewhere center strip that again would just be more accessible to everything. And and same deal, as you say, for a first timer, for sure. It's the same as the people that I'll see that'll be like, Oh, well, I see a really good deal at the Sahara. It's my first time to Vegas. Should I stay at Sahara? No, No, do not do it. No, No. don't do that. Don't do it. I mean, yeah. it's per- it's actually a perfectly nice hotel, but no, don't do it. <laughs> no, you're a million miles from everywhere. Yeah, like I'm a massive Mandalay Bay fan. I've had some really nice trips there. I have a great relationship with a the host there. But that's good fine for me because I've been to Vegas multiple, multiple times, many, many times. Would I want to stay there as a first timer? Well, no. It's really nice. If, if Mandalay Bay was in the middle of the strip, it would be super expensive because it's yeah. a really nice property. But it's in the wrong place. Yeah. Location. 
Occasion, occasion, occasion. Yeah. I want to talk about, you were in the process of writing a book. Yes. Which is very, very cool. It's kind of crazy too. Yeah. I mean, it's one of these things where I think everybody has said, and I'll admit I've said, you know, I should write a book. Never even remotely have to, I, I open Microsoft Word and I look at that, that cursor blinking at me tauntingly. And I'm like, no, F it, forget it. I'm onto YouTube. I go, <laughs> but you've actually, you're, you're, you're doing it. So tell us about this, this yeah. book that you're doing about Las Vegas. Well, I am writing a book that is kind of like an alternative travel guide meets personal memoir <laughs> about my experience of Las Vegas and how I like to do Vegas and how I think people should do Vegas. It's kind of, it's, it's from a British perspective, but it doesn't mean it's only for Brits. It kind of, I think, has quite a wide appeal. Um, but the way I would describe it is, this is how you avoid making all of those mistakes that I made on my first trip. And it's kind of gives you some advice on more than just the hotel stuff. It has all that in there. So all of the, ho- I talk about all the hotels. I've just been writing about Casino Royale, which has been like, you talk about looking at a blank page and having the cursor. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to say about Casino Royale? <laughs> <laughs> How am I going to write this without it sounding like I'm just crapping on them? No, so anyway, so I've, I've read about all of these all of these properties, but I've also talked about, okay, how do you maximize your comps? Which players clubs are best? Um, how, how do you play uh, blackjack? How do you play craps? So we've got gambling guides in there. I'm talking about how do, I've got a whole section on how do you do Vegas on a budget? Where, where, where should you go um, in Vegas? It's off the beaten track. Um, I'm just trying to think now what else is in there? Best restaurants to visit um, at all levels. Um, how to maximize your experience, I guess, is really the overall um, gist of the book. And who knows, it could go horribly wrong, but it's 85% written. It's going to be printed, whatever happens. So. <laughs> <laughs> 85% written, it's a little, it's too late to turn back now. Yeah. And I actually, I, the reason I started writing it is because I couldn't go to Vegas. And it was the middle of lockdown. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to just write this. It's going to be fun. I'm not. I'm never going to publish it. I'm just going to write it. And then I thought, you know what? This could have something in it. I'm. This is. It's actually going well. You know, I'm forty thousand words into this now. It's not like I'm going to. Surely, I'm not going to fail at the last hurdle. But it's very much informal, written from a personal point of view. So if I'm writing about Mirage, I'm telling you what I think of Mirage. Right. You know, I'm not telling you what the popular view is necessarily. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if I like Mirage, I'm going to tell you I like Mirage. Right. I like that you're doing it like that to to kind of set it apart from all of the other uh travel guides that are out there which tend to just be pretty neutral, pretty fact-based. I think it's interesting to throw some opinion into something like this. Yeah, and there's nothing out there that that has the gambling stuff. That's one thing. Mm. Um there's you know you can go and pick up your Vegas travel guide that will tell you you know this property is here and then this is here and this is the show there and this is what where you can eat and this yeah this has that um but it also has the how to maximize comps should you be looking to have a conversation with a casino host where should you be playing if you've got this sort of budget you know all of that stuff's in there too so it's kind of like a gambler's guide as well i guess very cool. And as far as timelines, are we looking at a uh, spring release or a, a summer release? What are what are you hoping for? But yeah, I'm hoping the spring. 
I mean, okay, so I've been writing, I feel like I've been writing forever now about strip properties and I'm working my, I started in Mandalay Bay. So this is, you know what this is going to be like. <laughs> I started at Mandalay Bay. I'm now at Casino Round, about to start Venetian Palazzo. So I'm nearly there, getting there. By the time I get to Circus Circus, who knows? <laughs> so yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting there. Um, and then I'm going to do Downtown. And then the book is almost finished. Most of the other stuff's done. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of left this bit till last because this is the slog getting through all these places but it's 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 kind of odd because like anyone i'm going to be honest with you there's some vegas properties that i love and there's some i'm like yeah i really don't i hate them but i don't love them mm-hmm. the ones i love it's so easy to write about sure it's like outpouring of love onto the page it sounds really flowery and authory to say that <laughs> um, and i'm not an author by the way so this really <laughs> is like a very challenging thing to be doing but then you come to write, okay, what am I going to say about Casino Royale? What am I going to say? And you spend about three hours trying to write the <laughs> shortest section of your book. Whereas like the Mirage, it's like bang that out in about 10 minutes, but there's like 50 pages on it. And then you realize, okay, I can't do that. I've got to cut it down. So it's very specific, the book. It's also, I'm not going through and saying, okay, yeah, you should eat at McDonald's on this road because that one's better than that one you know i'm not yeah. i'm just focusing on okay well i really like to eat at these this three these three restaurants at mirage mm-hmm. so this is where i would eat there's all these rooms but these are my top rooms to stay in, in this property this is why i would stay here um or you know there's all these shows but don't bother with those these are the ones to see that's the kind of vibe i'm going for with that because you know what People nowadays, if they want to look at Mirage and they want to look at everything it offers, they'll go on the website and they'll find that information. Right. So this is kind of more like, this is what you should do if you want to maximize your experience. I guess that's what I'm trying to get across. Excellent. Um, Steve, if people want to find you on social media, they can. You are very active on Twitter. Yes. Some would say too active. Some would say I'm too active. Yeah. Uh, including Michael, who sometimes will WhatsApp me and say, stop tweeting. Stop. Stop. <laughs> don't, don't you sleep? Stop tweeting, for God's sakes. And then I'm like, Michael, it's like three in the afternoon. We're in different time zones. Remember? <laughs> um, yeah. So you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Las Vegas UK. So fairly easy to find. Um, and also, you know, follow, follow us on Travels Orc as well at Travels Orc because I really enjoyed doing the podcast and I think we put some really useful stuff out there. Um, not just about Vegas too, about travel in general. So please do um, check us out. And um, we, we do live streams, we do all kinds of crazy stuff. We do YouTube videos. You know, we do them when we want to do them. We don't, we don't take them too seriously. We've got some great stuff up on there too. So so check that out. Excellent. Steve, thank you once again for jumping on and uh, joining me here on the podcast. Uh, really do appreciate it and wish you uh, all the best of luck with everything you got going on and uh, stay safe and stay healthy, my friend. Thank you for having me. Once again, make sure you follow Steve on Twitter at Las Vegas UK. Also, don't forget to check out Steve along with his partner, Michael Mason Traeger on Zorkcast, the official travel Zork podcast, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts or online at travelzork.com. Of course, all these links will be in the show notes at jeffdoesvegas.com. (laughs) 
And that wraps up another episode of the podcast. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas, or drop me an email directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 83 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. 